uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. The day after the first round of the NFL Draft, one of my favorite times of the year. Colby, I know you're a big fan as well. Did you enjoy the first round? I thought it was one of the more entertaining drafts in recent memory. Yeah, I thought it was incredibly entertaining. I think it lived up to the billing, and uh, I'm ready to get into it because I've I've got some thoughts because there I think there were some good things that took place last night, and then there were, as there always are, some things that made me think, what could you possibly have seen that the rest of the world didn't see there? So good stuff always first round of the NFL draft. Yep, always a good time. Before we get into the draft, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We are approaching graduation day. They have panoramas, diploma frames. Colby, do you have your diploma framed? Uh, no, I don't. Actually, the room that I record in, I've got a dresser right here that has drawers that just have a bunch of stuff in them, and my diploma is in one of these five drawers. I couldn't tell you which one. Did you major in broadcasting? I did, yes. Okay, so did I. Did you get a sports media minor? Uh, so I, my major, by the time that I was there, my major was considered sports media, journalism, and broadcasting. And then I actually minored in philosophy because I had a professor I liked and ended up taking a bunch of classes. Gotcha. See, they created the sports media program my last semester at OSU, and I'd oh. already taken a lot of the classes that were a part of it. So they basically just handed me a minor in sports media. I just basically just did no extra work and got a minor somehow in sports media. So it was a hell of a deal. So uh, I don't I don't know where my diploma is. I think it's in my parents' house somewhere framed. It's got to be in there somewhere, but I have no idea where my diploma is. But get yours framed at Chris's. They can get you set up, and, and uh, it's a great place to shop for all your cowboy needs. Colby, as I mentioned, a wild, wild, wild first round of the NFL draft. I don't even know where to start. I guess let's start with the quarterback situation. Obviously, we knew Trevor Lawrence was going number one. The draft really hinged. We knew Wilson was going two. The draft really hinged on three, what the 49ers were going to do. And despite all the reports about Mac Jones and Kyle Shanahan, Trey Lance was their guy all along, a guy who didn't play last year. He played in one exhibition game against Central Arkansas. He went 14-0 the year prior and didn't have an interception. He's obviously a physically gifted guy but wow the 49ers gave up what like three first round draft picks to take this guy I thought that was shocking uh yeah I did too I mean I look I like Trey Lance especially if he can sit for a year I don't like Trey Lance after opting out last year and you know he's only got 17 games under his belt at North Dakota State I'll say this he only turned the ball over one time uh in his career at North Dakota State so obviously look the kid can play he's got all the measurables all the tools and look I think that this could end up being a home run pick but I do think it's fairly risky to trade up <clears throat> from 11 to 3 you know it's kind of like what the Bears did with Trubisky if you trade up into that top three range you have to give up a lot to get there and so the guy that you picked there he's kind of has to hit now I'll say this I like them picking Trey Lance at three a lot better than I would have liked them picking Mac Jones at three because I think he just has a higher upside uh the, the Justin Fields stuff still doesn't make a ton of sense to me I think he has a chance to be better than Zach Wilson and Trey Lance especially uh with the situation he finds himself in now so um I, I don't know I, I like Trey Lance at three but this is going to be one that really I, I don't think we're going to know if this is a good pick for at least three to four years well I think he's going to start don't you I think we're going to find out quick. I don't know, man. I, I, it depends on what they do with 
with Jimmy G. And it depends on what their plan for Trey Lance is, because their plan might be to start him as a rookie and just let him take his lumps and kind of learn on the job. And their plan might be, okay, let's just hang on to Jimmy G for a year and let Trey Lance sit and learn. I don't know. I, I can't imagine Shanahan wanting to wait around too long, but I don't know that he's totally ready to go. So I still think the quarterback situation in San Francisco, even after last night, it's still fascinating. Yeah, I think it's ideal to just sit in this year and play Jimmy Garoppolo, but we all know Garoppolo's had injury history and we all know he's underachieved as a starter. So I think the he's going to be on the hot seat to start the year, even if he is the guy. So that that was a surprising pick. And this is where I just cannot believe how many teams either passed on Justin Fields or didn't move up to get him sooner. Because, look, I we all agree, Kyle Pitts is a generational receiving talent but Atlanta Matt Ryan is on his last leg you're not you're not going to be in a position to draft four overall in any time in the near future with as long as Matt Ryan keeps playing it was kind of a season from hell for Atlanta to get the fourth pick I thought they could have taken fields and he, he slowly slowly falls and again I just I, I don't understand it Justin Fields was the number one overall player not quarterback player out of high school he backed it all up he didn't lose a conference game and I just I don't understand I think these NFL teams just outsmart themselves and look Zach Wilson can make all the throws we know all the metrics with pro football focus and to me though he's a one one hit wonder against a a Charmin soft schedule the year before he had 12 touchdowns and nine picks like whoop-de-doo and this is why to me this is why the Jets are the Jets and I think it's a godsend for Justin Fields that he doesn't go to the Jets because they, they might have the worst roster in the NFL, especially on the offensive side of the football. But were you shocked that, that Fields lasted all the way till 11? Yeah, I was. I thought that somebody would come up and get him sooner. I also thought that there were a couple of teams that were potentials for him along the way. I mean, you look through here, uh, obviously Detroit traded for golf. So I guess it means that they're committed to him. Uh, I thought Carolina at eight could have been interesting. And I thought that them drafting JC Horn showed me that they're really committed to giving Sam Darnold a shot in Carolina. And then the Broncos at nine with all the Aaron Rodgers rumors that were circulating yesterday. I thought Denver would have been a great place for Justin Fields. The fact that they didn't take him at nine makes me think that they still think they can get Aaron Rodgers. Um, and, and then the bears, I think made a great move trading up to get Justin Fields. I, I know you've been very vocal on Twitter about how much you love Justin Fields. I like Justin Fields. I think he'll end up being either the second or third best quarterback in this draft class. And that to me is just totally dependent on what Trey Lance does. Cause Trey Lance to me is a wild card. I have no idea whether he's going to be a hall of famer or a guy who's out of the year in, in out of the league in five years. I have no idea. So I think Fields will be either the second, or third best quarterback in this draft class and for the bears to come up and get him you, you know the the bears i think still had a little bit of ptsd from the last time they traded up to get a quarterback <laughs> and it really didn't work out that well for trubisky and they've been remarkably um remarkably mocked ever since but them coming up to 11 to get fields is an absolute home run for chicago Absolute home run. I'm so happy. I have several friends that are Bears fans, and they literally haven't had a good quarterback in our lifetimes. You know, I'm, I'm 36 years old. They've never had a, a good quarterback in my lifetime. Even when they won the Super Bowl in 85, they kind of had, you know, Jim McMahon, the game manager. I think they've had one Pro Bowl quarterback since 1985, just one Pro Bowl appearance. And I don't even know who that would be. Maybe, who would that even be? Rex Grossman, maybe one year. I don't know. But it, it's amazing. And here's, the, here's how stupid the NFL draft really is. This is a tweet from Mark Titus. 
obviously he's biased. He's an Ohio State grad. But he said, if Justin Fields opts out or doesn't fight to have a season, he's a lock for number two. But instead, the dumb idiot tanked his draft stock by winning the Big Ten, not losing a conference game, dominating Clemson and scoring 27 touchdowns in eight games with 70% completion percentage. <laughs> like, seriously, if he opts out, he's probably the number two pick. Uh, although maybe not the way these teams fell in love with Wilson and and Lance and everybody else because Lance opted out and he still went ahead of, of Fields. But I don't know. It's, it's crazy to me, but I, I'm happy for the Bears fans. And I, I think all of a sudden you mentioned Aaron Rodgers with his situation in Green Bay, with Goff at Detroit, with Cousins and Vikings just being okay, I think I think the Bears can can challenge in the in the NFC North. I really do. Yeah, I think that they could win that division. And to me, I think the most maybe baffling part of the quarterback evaluation process this offseason in Zach Wilson rising so much up to number two and Justin Fields falling so much towards the fourth quarterback off the board is that over and over again, we got shown this Zach Wilson throw at his pro day where he rolls left, throws back right over the middle of the field and throws a 50-yard bomb and it's caught. And I'm like, you know, obviously that's an impressive throw, but it's a pro day. He Nobody was coming. The receiver's wide open. There's, there's no, you know, repercussions if you miss or throw a pick. It's not a big game. He rehearsed that throw. I bet he rehearsed that throw 500 times to make sure he had it just right for his pro day. And then he went out and performed how is that more impressive than the throw that you posted on Twitter earlier that Justin Fields made in the Clemson game where he's got Ohio, pardon me, Clemson defenders collapsing on him in the pocket. He steps up and to the left and slings it across the middle of the field about 60 yards in the air on a dime in a college football playoff game. Somehow that tape hardly got shown during the evaluation process. And yet Zach Wilson making a scripted throw at his pro day that he had practiced over and over and over again so he could <laughs> look good is the only thing anybody wants to talk about I think Zach Wilson look he, I, I think maybe he could have been good in the right situation he won't be good with the New York Jets he'll be another bust I'm sure they'll convince himself themselves that he's the savior Zach Wilson's gonna bust in New York well I think so too just because he has no like Darnold couldn't really compete I, I was never a big fan of Darnold but like he had literally zero weapons, zero talent on the offensive side. So I'm with you. I think Wilson's gonna gonna fail in New York, mostly because it's the Jets. But that throw that I, you mentioned that I tweeted out, people go to my Twitter page. This pass is probably the best throw I've seen live as it happened. I was trying to rack my brain of better throws that I've seen, and this one's number one for me. And I posted the video, you can go watch it, but he's on his own 37. The receiver, Chris Olave, is at the Clemson 34, and he catches the ball on the two and scores. It's it's simply jaw-dropping, the, the amount of how live that arm is combined with all those physical tools. I mean, I don't get it. I think this is going to be a case where we look back years from now, kind of like Deshaun Watson lasting till nine, and we're like, what, what were the teams thinking? Mahomes lasting till 10, what were teams thinking? Uh, to me, it's a very similar case, but we'll have to wait and see. And I want to go over winners and losers for more draft thoughts, too. But before we get to Tevin Jenkins falling out of the first round, Aaron Rodgers, you and I have talked about this. It's been malpractice by the Packers not drafting a receiver in the first round. He's thrown, like, I think four completions to a first-round receiver in his entire career, and that was, like, Mercedes Lewis as a tight end. They've drafted defensive players every year since 2012. And I think, Colby, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the floor – for Aaron Rodgers' career, with how talented he is, everyone says he's one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. 
I think the floor for his career was one Super Bowl. And that's what he's that's where he stands right now at, at age 37. I think the Packers have absolutely squandered his prime. He now wants out. He's telling the team he's not coming back. What a fiasco the Green Bay Packers are. There's no doubt they've squandered his prime. The, the Packers don't deserve Aaron Rodgers. They, the, the Green Bay Packers have been a poorly run franchise for the last decade, and they've been bailed out by the fact that Aaron Rodgers is so good, but he can only overcome so much. The last 10 first rounds, Green Bay has taken nine defensive players and Jordan Love. That's their last 10 first round picks. And and then, you know, they want to flirt with everybody and then get get upset whenever Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be there anymore. You've given him no support. All you've done is make his life harder to win in Green Bay. I, I just it's absolutely mind-blowing to me. Green Bay doesn't deserve him. I hope that he goes somewhere else. I think it would be fun for the league. You know, him him being in Green Bay, it's gotten kind of boring. We know what he's going to be in Green Bay. He's going to be great. They're going to get to the NFC Championship game, and then they're going to lose because they do a bunch of dumb stuff. It's We've seen that movie. Let's, let's watch a new one. I, I think him in Denver would be fascinating because that would have Herbert, Rodgers, and Mahomes in the same division, and that is just pure electricity for the NFL. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, they look at Denver just at a surface level with their record and say, why would he go there? Well, if you look at the receiving talent they have in Denver, it's pretty stout. Noah Fant at tight ends, one of the better receiving tight ends in the league. Cortland Sutton. Uh, who are the other receivers? I'm blanking right now. Uh, Patrick, the receiver. Yeah, uh, Patrick. KJ Hamler. Yeah, Hamler was the other one. So, I mean, they have they have a lot of talent on the offensive side, and I think he wants to be close to L.A. Obviously, the two L.A. teams, they're not options right now with Stafford and – and uh, God, I'm blanking left and right this morning. Who's the other L.A. quarterback? Uh, Herbert. Uh, Herbert. Justin Herbert, yes. Yeah, Herbert. Um, so, I think on a surface level, you might wonder why would he want to go to Denver, but, you know, he's been hosting Jeopardy. He's dating uh, an actress out in L.A. I think he kind of wants to get to the, the West Coast, but you're totally right about just – by having Aaron Rodgers, they've been Super Bowl contenders every year, regardless of what they've had. And they've drafted all these defensive talent, all these defensive players in the draft, and their defense hasn't been any good. And let alone the skill talent hasn't been lacking. The one time they invested in a receiver was a second-round pick, Devontae Adams, all-pro. Looky there. Wow, what a concept. Draft offensive talent, you get actually good players. So, I don't know. In Aaron Rodgers' situation, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. I, I think Tylen going – I think they could try to salvage Aaron Rodgers by drafting Tylen, but that would suck for Tylen to get drafted by Green Bay and then Aaron Rodgers skip town uh, next year and have to catch passes from Jordan Love. But that's, that's going to be fascinating to watch play out. Um, Colby, Kevin Jenkins was a consensus top 20-ish draft pick by virtually everyone that, that covers the NFL draft. He falls out of the first round. I think a lot of this has to do, Colby, with – the fact so many quarterbacks went as, as early as they did. And I think a lot of teams reached on defensive players, which I'll get to. But to me, the pick that really stands out is the Raiders, who ever since Gruden and Mike Mayock have gone there, they've drafted players in the first round that Mel Kuyper's had in like the 50s and 60s. And that trend continued with Leatherwood, the defensive or the offensive tackle from Alabama. Mel Kuyper had him ranked as like his sec 62nd prospect. So they pass on Tevin Jenkins and they reach once again. I think the Raiders really botched that pick. And that, that led to Jenkins falling out of the first round. Yeah. I had a buddy of mine came over and watched the draft last night and I, I kept keeping an eye out for Tevin and I want to see where he was going to go. And as soon as the Raiders made their pick at 17, I mean, immediately it was announced. I looked at my buddy and I said, Tevin's not getting picked tonight. 
he's not getting picked tonight because what that did is it left Christian Derisaw on the board, the tackle out of Virginia Tech, who's a much better player than Alex Leatherwood and has been more highly graded than Tevin Jenkins. And there just weren't enough teams left that were going to go and take uh, an offensive lineman in this draft. So the, the Raiders really screwed it up. Oklahoma State fans, if you want to be mad at somebody, if you want to blame someone for Tevin Jenkins not being a first-round pick, blame the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, whatever, because they totally botched it at 17 with Leatherwood. He's not even going to play tackle, I don't think, in the NFL. If he does, he's going to get burnt uh, by these these edge rushers. He's going to have to be a guard in the NFL. Um, and, and then that left a team like uh, the Colts, who I think maybe would have taken Tevin Jenkins. They end up going defensive end uh, with, with Quiddy Pay, the kid out of Michigan, and it didn't work out for Tevin. And not only that, now Tevin Jenkins, instead of going somewhere like the Colts or the Vikings, you know, a decent organization, there's a decent chance that he now could get picked at the start of the second round and go to a bad franchise, and that is not what you want. So hopefully, fingers crossed, Tevin Jenkins winds up uh, with a good franchise at the start of the second round. It reminds me so much of Emmanuel Ogba, who a lot of people had going in the latter stages of the first round. He goes near the top of the second round to the Cleveland Browns, who at that time were the worst franchise in the entire NFL. And I do think, Colby, though, I saw one mock had him going to Cincinnati, Tevin Jenkins. I think that would be a pretty good spot with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. You get to protect Joe Burrow and be their franchise tackle. Now, we all know the Bengals haven't been a great franchise over the years, but I do think going in the first couple of picks in the second round, some, some team is going to trade up. That's what you see a lot at the start of the second round is teams trading up for need, guys who happen to slip out of the first round like the safety from TCU, Morig somehow didn't go in the first round as well. So I think I think Jenkins and, and Morig will go very early, and I think within the top five picks of the second round. Yeah, I think so too. I've actually – so I, I've got my landing spots. I said I would get my landing spots for uh, Tylen, Chuba, and Rodarius, and now I've had to throw Tevin Jenkins in as well since he didn't get drafted on Thursday night. So you ready for my four landing spots? You can tell me what you think. Love it. All right, so I had this written down. This is not based on what you said. So I've got Tevin Jenkins – Round two, pick 38, going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Because the Bengals pick, uh, they've got, what is that, the fifth or sixth pick of the second round. So you kind of talked about what you would think about him in Cincinnati. And then the next Cowboy I have off the board would be Tylen Wallace. And I've seen him late second, early third. I've got him early third. I've got him going round three, pick 71, to the Denver Broncos. What would you think about that to line up with Cortland Sutton and K.J. Hamler? Well, man, they got a lot of, they have a lot of receivers. I don't know if I like that fit. Okay. I was just, uh, I, I still think he could get on the field. I like Cortland Sutton. I like Noah Fant. I like KJ Hamler. I think that he could get on the field in Denver. Uh, next one, I've got Chuba round five, pick 156. I've got Chuba going to the Dolphins. I like that a lot. I think that's a place, you know, with a guy like Jalen Waddell, who I is one of my favorite players in the entire draft. Uh, with Tua, that would be, I think that'd be a great fit and obviously a fun place to play in Miami. So that, I like that fit quite a bit. They, they seem to me like they're, they're getting more progressive with their offense with a Jalen Waddle, with a Tua. They could use Chuba in a lot of different ways, get them on the field in multiple areas. So I would love Miami. There's not a lot of competition there either at running back. Yeah, I know. That's why it was kind of running back by committee last year. They were waiting for somebody to really take it, and nobody did. So I would like that spot for Chuba. You get to play in, uh, you know, the division with, New England, the Jets, the Bills. So good division uh, pretty much year in and year out. Last Cowboy that I've got being picked is Rodarius Williams. I've got him going 16 picks after Chuba, would still be in the fifth round, pick 172. 
I'm seeing Rodarius Williams to the 49ers. What do you think about that one? That'd be great. I mean, they're going to be a, a playoff contender, even whoever, no matter who their quarterback is, because the Niners had like, they had like the season from hell with injuries. They were like the most injured team in the entire NFL. So I think they're going to be a really good team. And I think you could step in and play right away and play, play meaningful football, which is what we want to see from, from OSU guys going to a good franchise, a, a team that really drafts well, typically. I think when John Lynch was hired, by San Fran, I was kind of like, huh? He's been on Fox broadcast the last few years. Like he has no experience, but I think he's drafted really, really well. So that'd be a good fit for me. You want to hear where I think they're going to go? Absolutely. I think the Bengals are going to trade up. Them or I have them or Carolina, 38 and 39 overall in the second round are the Bengals and the Carolina Panthers. Matt Rule has not taken an offensive player yet in his entire draft history. He took all defensive players last year. He took the corner, J.C. Horn from Carolina. Oh, that wore me out, too. I wanted Dallas to get Horn or Sertan so bad, and they went at eight and nine. Yeah, that was brutal for Cowboys fans. So I think it's going to be a battle between uh, Cincinnati and the Panthers to see who gives up the most. I think they might be able to trade up with maybe the Jets trying to get a pick back since they gave up a pick to get a guard in the first round, or maybe even Jacksonville might trade out the first overall pick of the second round. We'll have to wait and see. But I, I think either Cincinnati or Carolina is where Jenkins is going to end up. Um, as far as... Highland, I think the one chance, I think 30th overall to, to Green Bay or 31st overall to Kansas City are two great fits. I know Kansas City probably, they, they got Orlando Brown, an offensive line. Uh, to me, 30, 31, and 32, the last three picks of the second round are great landing spots for Tylen. I don't know if he'll go there. So, but I think those are potential spots in the second round. But if he doesn't, I think in the third round, I could see him going to a place that I don't want him to go to at all. And that would be the Houston Texans the third overall pick in the third round. Cause they look Colby, they need a receiver in, a, in the most desperate way. Yeah. Please. No, please not Houston. Just there's so much going, there's so much wrong with the Houston Texans right now. That's, that's not even a football team. That's a soap opera. That just worst case scenario. Well, I, I, would rather, scenario. I would rather him go to the jets and catch passes from Zach Wilson than go to the, the Texans. Yeah, and I, I kind of think Rodarius might go in the fourth round just because it's not a deep cornerback draft. Uh, yeah. what, what, where did they have Rodarius ranked overall quarterback or cornerback? Oh, rankings? man, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see the uh, – I, I don't remember what his, his ranking was. And most gonna, bots I've seen have had him mid-fifth. Okay. I'm going to try and pull up. But if right. I, I mean, you know how the NFL draft goes. If other corners start to fall and a team needs a corner, he could easily go mid fourth. That's once you get into fourth, fifth, and sixth. I mean, it kind of depends on fit and and team evaluation. I mean, first round mocks I think are fairly accurate. You kind of know about the range guys are going to go. Once you get into the fourth, fifth round, it's a huge guessing game. Yeah, you're right. Chuba, who knows? I think his his stock is just all over the map. So. I'll probably go fifth round for him as well. I'm trying to pull up. By the way, real quick, while you pull that up, uh, 15 minutes ago, Aaron, or pardon me, Adam Schefter said uh, Aaron Rodgers has told his Packers teammates he doesn't plan on returning. So the NFL offseason still could get really, really weird. Yeah, like they said they're not trading him. So is he just going to opt out and just go host Jeopardy? I, I guess. Why not? He loves Jeopardy. He, apparently he loves Jeopardy a lot more than he likes playing quarterback for the Packers right now. So do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. I don't blame him. So that'll be fascinating to watch. Obviously not a great day for the big 12. Uh, no first round draft picks. I think they're the, what was the stat? They're the first power five to not have a first round draft pick in several years, but uh, 
bad look for the Big 12. I think it really hurt them again that Jenkins and Morig, the safety from TCU, who were both projected in the top 25 to fall out of the first round. I think a big reason for that is these teams, because so many quarterbacks went early, they, they started just gobbling up all the defensive players, linebackers and defensive ends and, and pass rush types at the very end of the first round. The one that really stood out to me was the Baltimore Ravens taking the Penn State guy who did not have a sack and he's a pass rusher. But he ran apparently at his pro day, ran like a 439. He's 6'5, 260, and just tested through the roof. But that's where I think a lot of teams reached there at the end of the first round. That's why the Big 12 was left, left, left wanting. Yeah, I thought for sure uh, Moerig, the kid from TCU, would go. I was really surprised that he didn't. You know, Baltimore takes the kid, uh, Jason Owe, who I guess now is, is going to go by his first name, which is Odafe Owe. I guess he, he switched in middle school because people couldn't pronounce it. Now he's in the NFL, and he's like, nah, y'all can learn how to pronounce my name. <laughs> so Odafe Owe gets taken out of Penn State uh, at 31 by the Ravens. I don't know. I mean, he's got all the measurables. He had a, a bunch of sacks in 2019, and I, I don't know. If ever there were an organization who could take just a raw freak athlete, talented defensive guy and get him to be highly productive, the Ravens would be that organization. They've hit on so many guys at that position. I'm just going to trust them. Yeah, I, you t they're one of those teams that you draft. They're kind of like the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA. They draft somebody. You just kind of nod and go, yeah, he'll probably be good. But I think he's the first. I think I read he was the first defensive lineman taken in the first round in 35 years that did not register a sack in his Ooh. last year in college <laughs> so it's a it's a swing for the fences type pick but uh we're gonna be looking forward to see where all the osu guys go on on day two so that'll be that'll be fun to watch who are your uh we're gonna do winners and losers give me a give me a winner colby who, who was your winner of, of the first round Biggest winner to me in the entire draft has to be the Chicago Bears. I love Justin Fields. I, I don't think the Bears thought they'd have any chance to get Fields. And then they move up to 11 to get him. I mean, all they did was move up from 20 to 11, and they get Justin Fields, who I think really could be the first legitimate franchise quarterback that they've had, like you said, in our lifetimes. I, I mean, it's, it's the obvious answer for a reason. It's the one everyone's throwing out for a reason. I think it was an absolute home run for the Bears. Absolutely. You know how I feel about Justin Fields. I just think that's such a great move. Finally, the Chicago did something right in the draft with quarterback. I'm going to go with your team, the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. And look, this is a, this is something people don't want to admit about Jerry and Steven Jones. They've drafted really well the last four or five years. They really have. And I think they've also been flexible. They've drafted, they've let the board fall to them. And look, you can criticize them for taking CeeDee Lamb all you want. He was the best player available when they drafted. They could have taken a defensive back, but that's that's not how, to me, I think I, I'm from the old school. I take the skill talent and pass rushers in the first round. And so skill talent for me usually wins out. And they, they trade down because the two corners that you wanted, Sertan and Horn, go at eight and nine. They trade down, get more draft capital, and take the best player available, Micah Parsons. I think Micah Parsons, the, the, the linebacker from Penn State, had one of the more impressive film cut-ups they showed last night on the draft coverage. It's just he's a freak of nature. And I think in most drafts, Colby, he goes easily in the top 10, maybe even like the top seven. He's that type of player at linebacker. So once again, I think the Cowboys were flexible. They got draft capital back by trading down. And they got one of the best players in the entire draft. So I, I think Jerry and Steven have, have really done a good job once again. 
Yeah, I think, uh, look, I, I was glad Dallas traded down and, and got the extra third. I would have liked them to have continued to trade down because I really wanted secondary. I would have liked them to have traded down into the mid-20s uh, if somebody was willing to move up because I really like Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. I think he was undervalued, and, and Cleveland got him at 26, and I think that's a home run for Cleveland. Uh, Michael Parsons, I think, is going to be really good as just like a flat-out pass rusher just – swarm to the ball don't think he's as polished in coverage uh not sure about some of his conduct issues at Penn State didn't like some of that stuff I was reading guy kind of seems like he might be an a-hole but uh he can play I, I don't hate the pick I just really was hoping for secondary and you know as a fan you get your mindset on something and I was so 100% locked in on either Horn or Sertan and then those guys went at eight or nine so then I was kind of going to be depressed no matter what happened and Parsons ended up being the guy so I I don't hate the pick. I think he's a good player, uh, but I, I think that secondary was a bigger need. I'll say this. I like the Michael Parsons pick more if Dallas goes secondary tonight because Dallas has four picks in the second or third. So as long as they go secondary tonight and try to fortify the back end of that defense, then that would make me feel better about uh, taking Parsons at 12 instead of continuing to trade back and hopefully getting Newsom, who was a guy I really loved. Yep, I'm with you. How about losers? Uh, losers. I mean, the obvious one is the Raiders. I think that we both kind of already talked about that. Um, I, I, man, I, I'm looking for another obvious loser. I don't see another obvious loser outside of Oakland. I mean, do, do you see another obvious loser? Green Bay. Green Bay. Green Bay. Yeah. Okay. Good one. Green Bay is an obvious loser. Yeah. They take Aaron, a Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is pissed. He wants to leave, and you just double down and say, you know what, Aaron Rodgers, screw you. We're taking a corner from Georgia. Yeah, for the fifteenth straight year or whatever, we're taking a defensive player. Yeah, so I think I think that pretty much consensus is that there are two big losers in the first round, and it's Green Bay uh, and and Vegas. I keep wanting to say Oakland, Vegas. Uh, I'll say this. You know, I was a little surprised that uh, New Orleans went defensive end again in the first round. I, I don't think they're a loser uh, at all, especially compared to Oakland. And I said Oakland again, compared to Vegas and Green Bay. But I was a little surprised that they went with Turner, the defensive end out of Houston. Yeah, I agree with that. Were you surprised? Were you surprised at all that Dallas made a deal with, with Philly? and allowed Philly to get Devontae Smith? Does that concern you at all as a Cowboys fan? Uh, it would if I thought that they weren't going to get Devontae Smith at uh, at 12. I think Philly would have gotten Devontae Smith at 12. Maybe New York would have taken him at 11. I don't know. And then they decided to trade down, and then the Bears come up and get Fields. I think Philly would have gotten Smith at 12 anyway, so make them come up to 10 and get him. I think Dallas would have drafted Parsons at 10, and now they get an extra third rounder out of it. So normally I would say don't trade in division, but I, I think it actually, in my opinion, didn't necessarily help the Eagles. I think they could have gotten Smith at 12, and then Dallas ends up getting the guy they were going to take at 10 anyway. So I think it was a good trade. Yeah, I'm with you. And look, he, I guess he would have ended up with the Giants anyway if they didn't, you know, so one, one way or the other is probably going to end up in the division. So uh, for me, how do you feel about Urban Meyer at Jacksonville? I, I, look, Ur, we all know what Urban Meyer kind of is as a person. I think he's going to win at Jacksonville. I was kind of surprised he didn't go with Tevin Jenkins on the offensive line, but they get – Ooh, I thought they, Tevin was going to Jacksonville. That's what I thought. And, look, I, I, I think what Urban Meyer saw is, like, look, we have the first pick of the second round. Jenkins might still be there at the, as the first pick of the second round. A lot of offensive tackles will still be there. So he, he puts Etienne with, with Trevor Lawrence as college quarterback. I like that a lot. But uh, I think I think Urban Meyer is going to win. Now, he might flame out in three years like he does everywhere else. But 
I was kind of surprised he didn't go with Jenkins, but I, I kind of like what they did with Lawrence and, and Etienne. Yeah, I do too. I think that, you know, obviously you pair the two Clemson guys who played together. That's just kind of cool that they did that. But I think Urban Meyer is going to win in Jacksonville. We can, you know, we, we can evaluate Urban Meyer's misconduct all day. The guy wins. That's why he keeps getting jobs. I think he'll win in Jacksonville. I think Trevor Lawrence is just a star in the making. Now, are they going to be a Super Bowl contender year one? No, but they'll be a lot, lot better than they've been. I think I saw last night since 2008, they have the second fewest wins in the NFL. They've drafted in the top 10 like 13 of the last 14 seasons I think that run is going to start coming to an end and we'll see them over the next really decade be a team that competes to get in the playoffs and maybe even make a run if they can put some more pieces together and get it all to mesh one quick note on OSU's draft there's projected to be five OSU players taken over the next couple of days do you know the last time they had five players taken in the draft Colby uh, I don't 1967 and that was when there were 17 rounds in the NFL draft. I would have rather not heard that. I think I would have had a better Friday had I not heard that stat. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. That was the first time. I'm sorry. I totally didn't botch this. Uh, the other three times they had five, five picks was 1977, 1984, and 1985. So 1985 was the last time. Is that, that help? Does that help at all? Is that better than, be, than the last time being in 1967? <laughs> I don't know that it is. Well, it's going to be the most most likely in the Mike Gundy era, which is great. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see where these guys go. But that that's certainly a, a good thing for OSU getting more guys uh, drafted. So that, that'll do it for our NFL draft coverage. Colby, one quick note here before we talk some Bedlam baseball. Uh, oh, and some Bedlam, and Bedlam golf that broke out up in at Prairie Dunes where you were at. OSU did get a transfer in basketball. They have another Tyreek. Spelled the exact same way as Tyreek Hill. They get a transfer from Texas Tech. Did you see this? This slipped under my radar yesterday. Uh, yeah, I did see it. It was not, to me, big news of the day because obviously it was NFL draft. And you and I are NFL draft junkies. So that was kind of the, the main... Uh the main focus yesterday, but yeah, Tyreek Smith has uh, committed to Oklahoma State, and I, I don't really necessarily know what he's all about, but Oklahoma State continues to add and fill out the roster. My question is, does this only leave now one spot, Carson? Do I have that right? I think they have two scholarships to give was what I last heard. Now, was that before or after Smith? I think after. After Smith, they still have two. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better uh, than just having one. I'm, I'm still waiting. We're all still waiting for Bryce Thompson and Trey Alexander. Those, those guys, hey, take your time, make your decision. But we are all on the edge of our seats. Yeah, Smith, I think, helps the need, though, Colby. He, he's 6'7", 220, which is just fits the bill for everything Mike yeah, Boynton's looking for. He also, I think he led Tech in blocks, which they, they really need some inside defensive presence. That should really help. And I think he, he fits a need, certainly, for what they need inside. So... He started as a, you know, redshirt freshman at Tech, and we all know Tech was pretty good, so I, I like the pickup as well. And one more note clear on the NFL, I, I keep forgetting this, uh, the Steelers picked up Mason Rudolph's option, which, again, they brought in Dwayne Haskins for competition. Clearly, they don't like what they've seen so far. They, they picked up the option on Mason Rudolph. It's a one-year, $5 million extension. It includes $4 million worth of incentives based on playing time. And with Big Ben under contract through 2021, Rudolph is the only quarterback presently under contract with the Steelers for 2022. So he, he might still be, despite disappointing in some of his playing time, he might still be their quarterback of the future. 
Yeah, that's a little surprising to me that he's still in Pittsburgh. I figured, you know, it, it just hasn't gone uh, great for him when he's had opportunities. It hasn't been good. He's, he's mostly remembered in the NFL for the incident with Miles Garrett, uh, which isn't exactly what you want to be remembered for. You want to be remembered for your play. And I, I still think that uh, Mason Rudolph, I think that he'll be in the league for a long time. But I, I kind of just think that eventually he'll start bouncing from organization to organization uh, as a backup. And look, you can have a great career doing that. You can make a lot of money doing that. Hopefully, at some point, he gets more opportunities and can make the most of them. Yep, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Pittsburgh's a, a weird situation with Big Ben. He seemingly kind of wants to retire, but just won't. So we'll have to wait and see if, if Mason can take over there. All right, Bedlam Baseball up in Stillwater tonight, Colby. It's a start of a three-game series. First one's in, in uh, O'Brate Stadium. The next two are in Norman. Are uh, you excited about a little Bedlam baseball breaking out this weekend? Absolutely. Love me some Bedlam baseball, especially when Oklahoma State is up and Oklahoma is down, which is the case currently. I pulled up the uh, RPI, WarrenNolan.com, just to see where Oklahoma State stands. Currently 15th in the RPI, which considering the fact that uh, Oklahoma State has not had a good couple of weekends going one and five against TCU and Texas. Nice to see them at 15 in the standings here. And uh, let's see, TCU's up at fourth. I'm looking for other Big 12 teams. Teams. Texas is at seventh and then Oklahoma State's next in the RPI at 15 Oklahoma State strength of schedule this year in college baseball fourth in all of college baseball uh, for comparison's sake TCU 12th Texas 35th Texas Tech 37th so Oklahoma State has played a very difficult schedule and I think they've got a really good team that can make a run uh, in the tournaments coming down the stretch. Carson, they really need to take all three from OU. OU's really trying to find itself, and they don't need to find it against Oklahoma State. O Oklahoma State needs to win uh, tonight, and then they need to, need to take two in Norman tomorrow and Sunday. Absolutely. OU's right for the picking. And again, Josh Holiday is 24-7 and seven against Oklahoma, and he won the first meeting earlier this year. So that's a, that's a great trend for Oklahoma State. And I, I just cannot be more impressed, Colby, with third baseman Christian Encarnacion Strand. He's the current Big 12 Player of the Week. He's tied for second in the country with 15 home runs. In five games last week, he had 10 hits, 8 RBI, 26 total bases, 3 homers, 3 doubles, and 2 triples. That any good? Uh, it's not bad. It, it'll, it'll keep you getting at bats, that's for sure. Not going not gonna to make your way to the bench with those numbers. Well, and that's something that I think when Holiday took over, he really emphasized that he wanted to bring in much more power. I think under Frank Anderson, they were mostly pitching and – not a lot of power, not a lot of home run hitters. That's something they really struggle with in the pre-holiday era. And it, clearly he's brought in that because OSU is one of the best power hitting teams in the country. You think of Carson McCusker as well, other guys that can hit some bombs. They've, they've been really taking the deep ball out, out to uh, O'Brate Stadium. So I'm fired up for some Bedlam baseball. You know, I want to see OSU host a regional. So I think you're right. I think they need to take care of uh, all three games against Oklahoma. Yeah, no doubt. Would love to see a regional at O'Bray. Would love to see a super regional at O'Bray, whether it happens this year or in the future. Uh, that would just be absolutely electric. And I know that it's not full capacity and everything, but one of these years down the line, it's going to be full capacity. Oklahoma State is going to host a super regional, and O'Bray is going to be rocking. And I cannot wait for that day. It's going to be fun. Uh, we know Oklahoma State. We've talked a lot of football. We've talked a lot of baseball, a little bit of basketball. But we all know, Colby, OSU's a golf school. And they pulled off the double in the Big 12. They, the women won the Big 12 championship. And you were up at a magnificent course, Prairie Dunes, up in Kansas, to watch the, the men's Big 12 championship, which was an all-timer. At one point, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Texas were all tied atop the leaderboard. 
came down to 18, 17, the last, you know, couple of holes. What a thrilling finish, Colby. You were there. What was it like being up there at Prairie Dunes? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, it was, it was tense, Carson, on that back nine. It was really tense. OU, OSU in Texas. I mean, it came down to the final group on 18 to determine all three schools who were going to finish first, second, and third. It, there, the leaderboard was bouncing around all afternoon. Pearson Cootie from Texas makes a triple bogey on 18, and they end up losing to Oklahoma State by two in the team competition and Oklahoma by one. So Pearson Cootie, I imagine not having a great week after tripling 18 on Wednesday. Uh, and then Bo Jen was just nails down the stretch for Oklahoma State. He, he got off to kind of a rocky start. He was just hovering at about even most of his round. And then he plays 14 through 18 at two under par. And Oklahoma State ends up winning by a shot. He ends up finishing T2 as an individual. Austin Eckrote had the round of the day on Wednesday with a five under 65, which is just such a good round of golf at Prairie Dunes. If anybody's ever been up there, it is just a golf wonderland in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. The, uh, the clubhouse, the locker room the simulators the course itself the practice facilities it is just an unbelievable piece of property that they've got out there in Hutchinson and Austin Eckrote tamed it on Wednesday and Oklahoma State needed every last stroke so we were up there covering it for the uh, 73rd hole podcast myself Taylor Williams and Sam Humphreys it was an absolute blast and it was a big win for Oklahoma State they were the third ranked team in the country coming in Oklahoma was the number one ranked team in the country coming in Oklahoma State gets the win and now uh, you look ahead toward regionals you have regionals coming up in, I believe, the third week of May. But a week from tomorrow, Carson, Austin Eckrode, as well as Quade Cummins from OU, uh, will be down at Seminole Golf Club in Florida to play in the Walker Cup, which, for those of you who aren't big golf nuts, it's basically the amateur version of the Ryder Cup. It's the United States against Great Britain and Ireland, and it's just Ryder Cup format, and it's going to be played at an unbelievable golf course uh, in Seminole down in Florida. So great things happening right now for Oklahoma State golf, both men's and women's side, as Oklahoma State sweeps the men's and women's Big 12 championships. Yeah, and this was big for Ekro because if he finishes in the top, what is it, top 10 or top five of the, the PGA five. Tour University standings, he automatically gets his card, uh, PGA Tour card. Corn Ferry card. Was it Corn Ferry? Yeah, it's a corn fairy card, but then but the reason that's so key is because it gets you your corn fairy card for the rest of the season. And if he plays well enough, then in a, in a course of about three or four months, he could earn his PGA Tour card as opposed to the old system without PGA Tour U where everybody just comes out, goes to the developmental tours, the mini tours, the McKenzie Tour, and you have to like work your way all the way up and it takes a couple years to get your card if you're not a Wolf or a Hovland. PGA Tour U is so much better. Gives guys like Eckrote a chance to come out, play for a few months on the corn fairy, and earn a PGA Tour card. Yeah, that's exciting. And again, coming into this year, we didn't know a lot about the roster. They're starting five or starting four for Cowboy Golf. Uh, Bo Jin's a freshman from China. You mentioned how nails he was. He finished second overall in the Big 12 individual race. Eckert was fifth. And another guy we didn't know a lot about, uh, Eugenio Chakara. Did I say that right? Eugenio Lopez Chakara, yes. Yeah, he, he finishes 10th. And then uh, Eamon Gupta, who had that great run in the USAM, finishes tied for 10th as well. So, By the way, Bojin, we, uh, we interviewed Austin Eckrode after the round on Wednesday on our podcast, and uh, we asked him about Bojin, and Austin Eckrode, he had a great answer. He said that Bojin's finally got himself a girlfriend, and he's head over heels in love, and that's why he's playing such great golf. He said ever since he got a girlfriend, he's lighting the world on fire. So shout out Bojin. Seems like everything's coming up Bojin in Stillwater. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do at regionals and – 
again, it's going to come down to probably match play if they make it there at the NCAA. So that'll, that'll be fun to watch. I, I want to commend you, Colby, you guys, at the 73rd hole podcast provided coverage that you couldn't get anywhere else other than just looking at golf stats leaderboard. You had to go to the 73rd hole podcast, Twitter account to watch some actual clips. So I wanted to commend you guys. If you're into golf, you need to follow their podcast and listen to it. And I thought you guys just did, did a really great job. So job well done. I appreciate that. It was a lot of fun. We got a couple hundred new followers and a lot of people were loving what we were doing. We'll be doing the same thing. The final day of the regionals at Karsten. We'll be out at the uh, five and six, a high school state champions doing kind of, kind of the same thing. It'll be harder to follow along. Obviously you don't have golf stat at a, uh, at a high school event telling you where everyone stands on the leaderboard, but we love golf. We love covering it. We're, we're addicted. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, month of May is a big, month for golf in the state of Oklahoma with OU and OSU. You got the Walker Cup, regionals, nationals, uh, and then the senior PGA at Southern Hills. So golf in Oklahoma in the month of May is going to be at the forefront. Yep. Exciting. And I think, uh, let's see here. Victor Hovland was up near the leaderboard today out at Valspar. He's, he's five under last I saw before we started recording. So uh, he's another... falling back a little bit. He's only two under in the day, minus Minus four overall, he's T19, so he's he's hanging in there, though. He'll be around for the weekend. I mean, you get to the weekend at, uh, at what, Inverness down there, and you'll be in good shape. Innisbrook, yep. not Inverness. I, know, I knew Inverness was wrong. Innisbrook. Yep. All right, Colby, uh, enjoy the next couple of rounds of the NFL draft. We'll get back with you on Monday to discuss where all the, all the OSU guys went, and hopefully they go to good spots, and uh, we'll catch up with you then. Yes, sir. Bedlam baseball this week. Let's get a sweep. Go Pokes.